Welcome to HEQ&A, the podcast of History of Education Quarterly. I'm your host, HEQ co-editor Jack Schneider. Every few weeks, we'll dive into recent work from the journal, asking authors how their projects challenge or extend what we know about a topic, exploring what's interesting and surprising about it, and then taking a step back to consider broader implications. In the second half of the show, we turn our sights to teaching, so if you're an educator, make sure to stick around until the end. And now, let's hear from one of our authors. Hello, my name is Mira Debs. I am the Executive Director of Yale's Education Studies Program, and my article is Montessori in India, Adapted, Competing, and Contested Framings, 1915 to 2021. I'm really interested in school models that give children autonomy in learning. And we tend to think about a lot of those models coming from Europe and spreading to other parts of the world. But actually, in the case of Montessori education, which started in in Italy with Maria Montessori, it has had really strong roots in India. And so this article focuses on over 100 years of Montessori education in India and looks at the different audiences that have embraced Montessori education and the different ways that each of those groups have embraced and framed Montessori education for their own particular needs and for specific groups of children. There's only been a very little bit of research on the broader umbrella of progressive education in India. So showing that there's a long history of one particular educational movement in India that is child-centered is the contribution and is supportive of efforts that are happening in India right now by the government, by NGOs, to work to make schools more student-centered and give children more autonomy in their learning. You know, I think for people who have written about or practiced Montessori education around the world, there's generally an assumption that it's it predominates in Europe and in the United States. So I think to have more information and to build off of the research of several other colleagues recently writing about Montessori in India to show this really rich history, a lot of really innovative educators who worked to think about questions of how do we adapt this for an Indian context? Who are we serving? Who are we not serving? It was something that I really wanted to convey in this project. So I came to this project having already been working on public Montessori in the United States, which was the topic of my first book. So I was really interested in questions of access and also uncovering untold stories of communities of color. And I went to India in 2019 and had the opportunity to visit a couple different Montessori schools while I was there, including a Montessori school in a Tibetan refugee community and a government-run Montessori school in the city of Chennai in South India. And that really continued to spark my interest in, in the topic. And another piece that I thought was totally fascinating was that a lot of the early supporters of Montessori education, even before Maria Montessori herself came to India in 1939, were people who were actively involved in the independence movement. There's a great quote from someone writing about Montessori education in an early Indian childhood journal that says, the watchword of Montessori education is freedom first, freedom second, and freedom last. So Indian audiences, I think, really connected to this approach that was focused on changing the power dynamic in the classroom, giving children a lot of freedom and choice over their work, 
and ultimately, you know, aiming to raise very autonomous, independent individuals. And, and people were explicitly making the connection in a, in a lot of publications to thinking about how developing independence-minded children was really important to the project of building a national independence movement. And even beyond these individuals, people who were fighting for independence as leaders, um, including Mahatma Gandhi, were really interested and excited in Montessori education. Mahatma Gandhi was thinking about a national model for education. He met with Maria Montessori in London in October 1931. He went and visited Montessori schools there and in Rome, and he had visited Montessori schools in India before that. So I was really curious to find out if you know, if if there was this real way that Montessori had been adapted in India that that was specifically focused to this particular project of Indian independence. Now, I think what I found was a little bit more complicated, as things always are in a historical investigation. It, it wasn't like Gandhi and Montessori immediately fell into each other's arms and developed this incredible collaboration, because we know that the end story in, in India is that the predominant model in India is a, a very teacher-directed model of education that is really focused much more than American classrooms on rote memorization and exams. And I was a little kid growing up in India and had the opportunity to experience the system when I was in kindergarten. You know, I had 70 children in my classroom one nun as the teacher and about two hours of homework at night. And I was I was failing art class because I could not copy the pictures accurately off the board. So we know that Montessori education today, even though there is a strong movement in India, it's only a, a fraction of the education system in the country. But there was this moment back in the 20s and 30s where there was a real hope that Montessori could spread and become a dominant model of early childhood education. So part of what happened was that Maria Montessori herself came to India. She trained about 1,500 people during almost a decade of time being there. She basically got stuck in India during World War II with her son, Mario Montessori. And she trained a significant number of teachers, but repeatedly people like Gandhi and others kept pushing her saying, you know, how you envision a Montessori school, the kinds of rules and restrictions you're making about how people need to be trained, the duration of the training, the fact that you want people to have all of the materials that you've come up with for a classroom, that's not going to work if we want to spread it widely around India. And she really was not willing to compromise on that vision. And the result was that, you know, a lot of people concluded that the Montessori method was too expensive for India. And over the course of the last hundred years, there have been a number of Indian educators, Gijubai Bhateka, Tarabai Modak, and others who have come up with less expensive ways of bringing Montessori-style education to children. But there has always been a conflict between Maria Montessori or Montessori organizations upholding her legacy and those groups that wanted to do more adapted versions of Montessori education in order to make it more accessible. So part of the thread of the article was showing those kinds of tensions and the different ways each of those groups was trying to, to propose a way forward. I think there are a lot of conversations happening globally right now about in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, not only thinking about how do we help children recover from the interruptions to their schooling, but also how do we look at what we've been doing so far and rethink pathways forward. So I think it's really an opportunity to 
change the dynamic in classrooms and to create more space for children to have more choice and more power and more autonomy in their learning. And so I hope that as those kinds of conversations are happening, to know that there have been long roots of efforts to do that in places in the global south like India help to make the case for why these efforts are not just are not only new, but they're a continuation of, of work that educators have been doing for a long time. The second half of the show is dedicated to thinking about teaching. We ask authors to put on their guest lecturer hats and take students into the weeds. What should they pay attention to, methodologically speaking? What else should they be reading if they want to take a deep dive into the historiography? And where are there opportunities for further research? One of the things that I was trying to do in this article was um, to tell a narrative story, but also to keep track of patterns and to look specifically at audiences in schools. And so as I was reading through a lot of archival sources, I was not only keeping track in the form of notes, but I was also constructing a historical list of Montessori schools. And that is something that's accessible via a link in the article. So I think it might be interesting for students to look at the way that I was recording schools and classifying schools and using that to think about this broader pattern of trends. Well, it just so happens that my colleagues and I are about to publish a handbook with Bloomsbury Press coming out this April. It's the Handbook of Montessori Education. And it is really a great introduction for anyone who's interested in learning more about the history, the scientific research, and contemporary applications of Montessori education. And I co-edited the section on global Montessori. So I have a version co-authored with Rukmini Ramachandran on Montessori in India. That's a much shorter summary of the history of Montessori in India. But there are also 25 other chapters that have cases in countries all over the world. So I think if people are interested in thinking about Montessori education, the dissemination of a pedagogy, education as a transnational movement, that's a great place to continue reading. I definitely admit that one big limitation of this project was that I uh, used English language sources to represent a country where English was the language of the elite. It's more accessible now, but still has definite class connections. So I would really encourage people to do Indian language archival searches. There are definitely Indian journals from the 1920s, like Balak, that were writing about Montessori education. And also, if you looked at Indian newspaper periodicals from the 19-teens onwards, we could probably find a number of additional Montessori schools that weren't on my radar I think there's also interesting questions today in terms of thinking about what is the current landscape, where does Montessori exist, where does it not exist, how is it spreading, who are the families who are choosing it. I think the, the other piece too that I would suggest is looking at if there were any connections between Montessori and other educational movements in India. To learn more, check out History of Education Quarterly Online. The journal is published by Cambridge University Press, and it's carried by most academic libraries. You should also be sure to follow HEQ's Twitter handle, at HistEdQuarterly, which regularly sends out free, read-only versions of articles, and the show's Twitter handle, at HEQ&A. 
And don't forget, subscribe to the show so you don't miss forthcoming episodes. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. HEQ&A is produced at the University of Massachusetts Lowell. Our producer is Jennifer Berkshire, and our theme music is by Ryan Shaw. I'm Jack Schneider. Thanks for joining us.